Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to do some shameless plugging. So if you haven't bought the handbag or an incredibly appropriate Zoom sweatshirt, aka our best-selling Janine, head over to my site. This podcast is brought to you by the support of you. So would love for you to buy some gifts, enjoy some of our sales that we're having, and just support the cause and the brand that floats this podcast. Also, I'm not sure if you've heard, but I launched a fragrance. It is available at Macy's and Nordstrom and Birchbox and Scentbird. So I highly, highly advise you smell good from the comfort of your bed or living room. Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest, we were just super fanning over each other, Deborah Lipman. She is an incredible celebrity and fashion, not only manicurist, she has designed nail polishes for people like Lady Gaga, Scarlett Johansson, Kim Kardashian, Gwyneth Paltrow, no big deal, Taylor Swift, and she has an incredible line of colored nail polishes with names inspired by a lot of popular songs. So... Thank you for joining me on this podcast. No, Rebecca, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And do you know why my colors? I'm just wondering because my brand's 21 years old. Do you know why um, I named my colors song titles? No, but I'd love to find out because I like to name my bags after female musicians. Oh, I love that. I'm a singer and I went to college to get a degree in music and I was um, a professional and am still a professional singer of three records on iTunes and Spotify and all that. And I continue to sing in clubs. I became a manicurist to pay the rent. So when you finish college and you have a degree in musical theater and you live in Arizona, which is where I grew up, there weren't very many high paying jobs so after a period of time, I was like, okay, I've got to try to waitress. And then I was the worst waitress on the planet and literally dropped white Alfredo sauce on top of someone wearing with like white, white blonde hair and a white dress. So that night when I was fired, I went home and said to my mom, I got to figure something out. And I, I played around with different things and realized that probably my second love was beauty. And my next job, um, I went somewhere that hired me without any qualifications to be a, a makeup artist in a salon. And I did that for a while and I really, really loved it. And then I thought I need to get something that's going to be really solid and get some credits under me and be schooled. So I went to cosmetology school. And while I was in cosmetology school, learning all the stuff, it became very clear because I was in cosmetology, like eight hours a day. And then I would go home, change my clothes, put on my gown and my high heel shoes and go to the club and sing for four hours. So when I got into the manicuring portion of school, it was like, oh, wait, I can sit down all day and then stand up on my high heels for four hours. That will protect my feet because they are not going to make it. And that was really how I landed on uh, manicuring over ever doing makeup or hair or being an esthetician. It was just literally, I was, I was singing for uh, five nights a week and standing on my heels at school and at, uh, on the gig, just couldn't hack it. That's incredible. I don't think if someone would have said, Hey, can you guess what she did and how she got started? <laughs> that this would have been my answer. <laughs> so how long were you doing I don't want to say just manicures before you launched the polish. So I worked in Arizona initially, which is where I grew up. And I moved to New York in 92, I think. To make it a short answer, I started doing nails in 1982, 1982 or 1983. So I've been at it a long time. 
I landed a job at Frederick Fakai when he was in Bergdorf Goodman, when it was the place. And I um, think that while I was sitting there was the time when Bobby Brown was actually still doing makeup at Fakai one day a week and just had just launched her lipsticks. Then I started doing falling into editorial and I was working with Laura Mercier and I was working with her around the time that she launched her brand. And both those girls were like, you have so much access. You have so much creativity. You have, you know, when I moved to New York, it was just something just happened. The earth just opened, the heavens opened and smiled upon me and were doing things that I just had no idea what was going on. Like I didn't even know what an editorial shoot was and what an editorial manicurist when I got sent on my first shoot I had no idea who to talk to what to do what to take with me um so I've done all of what I've done out of a place of I don't know but I'll just try it like I'm just I'm and it's funny because I'm fearful in a lot of places in my life but in this and I'm much more fearful in my singing career but in my in this other part of me I've just been like okay turn this corner okay go through that door so I started getting a lot of press as a manicurist, which I have no idea like how that even, I mean, I do know how it happened, but like it was not because it wasn't because of me. It was just, I was holding hands with women who worked at the magazines and, you know, I came from Arizona. I I was not, you know, didn't know anything about fashion really. No offense to any of my Arizona friends because you might know about fashion. I didn't. I came wearing, you know, cowboy buckle belts and stuff. <laughs> anyway, I just got these, this opportunity to talk to women who were the head of Fortune 500 companies, the women women who were beauty editors were sitting in my chair, women who um, were just frustrated with nail care their whole lives, who I'd been working on since the 80s. And I heard all of these questions. There were so many unanswered questions. There had just been no education in, in nail care uh, anywhere for the consumer. So a couple, you know, Bobby and Laura being two of them uh, and Mariah Carey were kept started, you know, putting this idea in my head that I should create a brand because I would on shoots have to create a color every now and then. It's not like creating a a lipstick where you can kind of put them together. Nail polish doesn't really work the same way. It's a little more difficult to do. And I didn't know what I was doing. Like at that time, I probably probably didn't know what a color wheel was maybe back then, but I had a weird eye. And I had an interesting, what people thought, what the editors thought was an interesting eye when I would make color. And so sometimes I would make uh, celebrities like a, a special nail polish if they are like I made Mariah a special nail polish just for her when she was singing at the Oscars for the first time. Cause it was, you know, everything about that night was special and I wanted to do something special. And then she fell in love with the color and she was like, oh my gosh, make me something that looks like this. And then So one thing led to another, and I finally just got the guts to start looking for vendors. I had no financing. I had no partners. I had no idea how to run a business, but I knew how to, well, and actually at this time, Rebecca, there weren't any, because it's been 22 years, there was no internet. Like there was no, nobody had at-home computers. So you couldn't just go nail polish labs in Google. Where do you get glass bottles? None of that information was available. So it was like one person would give me one piece of information and then the next person would give me 10 more possibilities. And then my glass manufacturers would then give me brush manufacturers that would again, I mean, when I started a nail polish brand that launched in 1999, I didn't know that you needed a bottle and a cap and a brush and the juice and BBs to go inside the bottle and a box to go on on the outside of the bottle and probably labels to go on the bottle. I didn't know that all of those things came from separate vendors. I had no idea. 
I have to ask, how did you even make Mariah a polish? Did you just mix two colors together? I mixed uh, three or four colors together and I made like a beige that would be really pretty on her hand with the tiniest bit of, of like a silver shimmer because she was wearing a white dress and she was wearing diamonds. And so it was a matter of getting it, making a polish that wasn't too, wasn't too beige and wasn't too, wasn't too yellow beige and wasn't too pinky beige was right, right in the middle. And um, yeah, so I was just pouring other colors together and that's just not something, first of all, when you do that, like, thank God it was just for the Oscars. So she would wake up the next morning and if the polish, you know, didn't wear, it didn't matter because that you can't really do that at home. It wrecks the formula. So don't try that at home unless you're willing to not have the polish last. And if you're willing to not have the polish last, do try that at home because it's really fun. (laughs) So, so yeah, Mariah kept, and then Mariah, all of her friends liked her polish and she was like, can you make me more of it? And I was like, um, Hmm. And I tried and I tried. And then uh, it was very, it was difficult because nudes are really, really, really difficult to, I, I now know, to create and to keep stable and to keep exactly the same without too much going too yellow or going too cool. So it was, I, I could not get exact matches um, with my um, mixing skills because I hadn't written anything down as I was making it. I was just playing and probably, you know, drinking a glass of wine and from this bottle and from that bottle and from the other bottle until I got something that was pleasing to my eye. Wow. Well, that's an incredible starting story, Mariah Carey, and you mixing polish while making, uh, while having a glass of wine. So this begs the question, you know, you're 20, you said you're 21 years into this? Mm -hmm. 22. 22. So you're 22 years into this. Um, I'm sure you get asked all the time. You have a huge and successful company. You're in retailers all around the world. Why continue when you could go off and sing full time? <laughs> that is because Rebecca, I'm afraid of singing. I'm afraid oh. of the failure of singing. It must be. I've always had this excuse that I'm too busy in my day job. And I remember that I remember the days when my day job started to, I called it my day job manicuring, which is not at all the way I think of it, by the way, at all. <laughs> but I, as a joke, I call it my day job. But I remember when it started escalating and I thought, wow. Do I take this path that is just taking off? Do I follow? Is this, you know, what the universe has for me? And do I just follow it? And I did that, but I kept, uh, I always tried to keep the music alive. And I would, I remember calling my mom on the phone and saying, oh my gosh, mom, they did a story about me with Orbe and Francois Nars in Vogue magazine, like the three of us. And she'd be like, that's so great, honey. Did you go on any auditions? Are you singing anywhere next week? Like she, she always made sure to help me not throw away what was kind of my deepest, deepest root passion. And for some reason that, that creative, that creative piece of me, the singing, the music has been, uh, I know it's just something that has helped me in everything else that I do. Maybe my path was to just sing, not to be someone who sang every single day. And that was kind of actually, interestingly enough, when I finished college, and I was doing, you could, I could have done weddings and bar mitzvahs, been a wedding and bar mitzvah singer and made plenty of money, but I didn't want to do that kind of singing. And I didn't want to then not like to sing because that became like a drudgery job. I wanted to, I wanted to keep my, my music really, really precious to me in a precious, in a precious box and a precious place in my heart. And, um, and I've been really blessed to get to sing on other people's albums and uh, albums that have been Grammy nominated. And I've done three of my own albums and I sing in, uh, in a non-COVID world. I still sing in, in nightclubs in New York. And 
I'm, you know, I'm kind of fulfilled. This just in, by the way, I'm going to tell you this first. My publicist is probably going to freak out, but not in a COVID world. I was still working on photo shoots, still doing nails on fashion shows. I did do Jason Wu's fashion show during COVID. Um, that was very, yeah, it was, it was an, it was an incredible experience, but really what I've, found during during COVID is that photo shoots as they've had, they have really cut back on the amount of people that they have on set. So manicurists are not working as often. Then my agency, Starworks, the agency that I was represented by ended up just closing their doors. And I thought, well, do I get another agent? Or is this maybe the time that I, you know, start to pivot, like everybody is pivoting and be 100% doing stuff that is really for the brand. I mean, I've always felt that working on fashion shoots and working on runway shows and working with um, celebrities and red carpets and stuff has all helped. It's definitely helped marketing for my business. And it's also helped me kept my keep my eye on what is really happening. And that's always been a benefit to my business. But I feel like now it's time to probably look at pivoting and now I'm available to, you know, all the time. I, I don't have to be like right now, I would have been on a photo shoot sneaking out into a hallway with my computer going, I need 45 minutes to talk to Rebecca, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So this is now I'm in my office, which is in my home, like everybody else. We're in your kid's playroom, like where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a newsletter. It's called, You Can't Make This Shit Up. And uh, this is one of those reasons when I'm hiding in my kid's playroom to interview a world-renowned manicurist and, uh, you know, brand. But this is what we do, right? So what are some of the unexpected challenges you faced growing your brand that you couldn't have anticipated? And how did you get through them? How much time do you have? I know. I know. It's crazy. The first thing that I can remember happening was... And I don't mean to do this as a name drop. I mean to do this like when I tell you about certain people as the incredible people that have mentored me. I've been listening to your podcasts um, and I've heard so many of the things that your entrepreneurs say. And it's, first of all, thank you for your podcast because I love it and it helps me and inspires me. So as I was saying earlier, you know, the internet was just starting to happen. People didn't really have home computers and all that. And Martha Stewart said to me, you need to buy your name. You need to buy all the misspellings of your name for your web address. So what had happened by then was my brother had had come in to help me. He I started I started by myself. My brother was like, "You need help. I can do graphics. Let me come in and help you." And I was like, "Okay, great." And then my husband looked at the two of us floundering and he said, "Okay, I'm in. I didn't want to do this, but I'm in." So now it's the three of us. It's like we're the three musketeers. 22 years later, and we've all found like our paths of, of what we do in the business and found our strengths. So anyway, I went I went to lunch with a someone who was a who was a very good friend. And I was super excited. Um, I had just gotten, had just decided what I was going to call my brand. I hadn't really been talking about it, but I didn't think it was a big deal to talk about it. But I told this friend the name of the company I was going to start that was still kind of a fantasy. And he went home and bought the name. No. Yes. And so say, you know, eight months or so later, we're trying to, you know, after I had this thing with Martha and she was like, you need to, you need to buy every, she's like, I call you Debbie. Other people call you Deb. You have, your name is spelled with two P's and two N's. Everybody's going to get that wrong. You need every iteration. We went to start getting them. And the guy had, cause we, we had bought Deborah Lippman and that was available, but Deborah Lippman with one N, which is the most major misspelling of my name was gone. And when my brother did the computer research to figure out who it was, it was our friend. 
Like it was a man that we had continued to go to dinner with, he and his wife. That is crazy. So did you tell him like, how dare you? You're our friend. You took my wrong name. A, that shows how dumb you are because you don't know how to spell my name. No, how good a friend you are. I was like, no, no, it was really heartbreaking. It was um, my, my husband and my brother were angry. I was heartbroken. You know, I was just, I was so hurt. I couldn't figure it out. And I called him and I asked him if he could explain it to me. And he said, well, this is just going to be the new big way to make money. And so if anybody tells me their web address, I, I try to buy it. That is so disgusting. It was disgusting. So at the end of the day, he gave it back and we are not no longer friends, which it could have gone either way. But um, so, yeah, that that was something that I never could have expected happening. We had something happen in the first five years of business. We were doing um, four collections a year, four four piece collections a year in the very beginning. And then we had the the money to do one holiday collar. And I was like, we have to do something special for a holiday because, I mean, this is how small we were. One collar for holiday, please, please, please. So my husband has become my boss because he manages the money. So I didn't really know when we were starting a business that all the products had to do with, you know, how much cash you had. And um, if I'd done things, if we had, if we had, as a company had done anything differently, we, our first hire would have been a CFO if we were to go back and start over again, because that was a place where we weren't the strongest. So uh, anyway, we made this holiday color and there was this crazy, crazy thing that you can't even imagine. And there was a shooting in our laboratory that took lives, took lives, a mass shooting. And sadly, a bunch of bullets went into our one drum of holiday color. So there was no holiday. So we'd spent all of that money and it's like, you can't even feel bad about it. I mean, people lost their lives. What year was this? A mass shooting at the at your factory? At our factory. Uh, it was, I, I know, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was like a, a disgruntled employee that had been let go, came back. It was oh my gosh. horrendous. So I've really learned a lot, even in this COVID situation. You know, initially our business was really up because uh, we were really blessed because people were staying home and doing manicures. And it's kind of, I'm like, wow, this is nice. My dream is coming true that uh, people are learning how to take care of their own hands, which is what my goal has been. They're finally, you know, learning it so that whether they continue it or go to a manicurist, then they, at least when they go to a manicurist, they know what's right and wrong because now they've learned this or learning the steps. But then we had a, you know, people die in our factories. I don't know if you did, but we had people die putting our product together. So this whole human portion of you comes out. Like I had no product to sell for months during COVID, but I, people died making right. nail polish. Is that important? I'm never going to be the person who is just that hard ass, hard ass business person. I have too much of a heart. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to be calling my lab every day going, put us on the line, put us on the line. You're, you know, you're late for us, put us, you know, I wasn't going to be that person. There are other things that are much more important. And there are times that you just learn that this is, you know, this has been one of them. Yeah. You know, and we've all had to pivot, had to do Insta lives in our bathroom. That's right. That's where I do mine. <laughs> I know. That's where I learned it. I, mean, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but this article, I think it was Fast Company or Inc. was like, how big brands can feel personal and small. Rebecca Minkoff doing IG lives on the floor of her bathroom as if it was our brand strategy. I'm like, you idiots. I love these publications, but like I had no other choice. Okay. I don't have some mansion. Um, you know, I'm hiding from my children who won't leave me alone. And there were two doors of soundproofing. I know. Well, you know, nobody, until you're in the shoes of being a founder of a business, you have no idea what you're in for. 
You have no idea idea what you're in for. And I think people just see the glossy, you know, they see that you're friends with Bobby, friends with Martha, hanging out with Mariah. And they're like, oh, her life must be so easy. (laughs) Well, guess what? Not so much. I mean, it's been an incredible, incredible, incredible journey. And I'm really glad that I that I took that I'm on the journey. Uh, We just launched lip gloss last week, which I'm really, really thrilled about. Um, we launched a CBD lip gloss that is delicious. And I've been wanting to do for a really long time. So, you know, we're continuing on our journey. And I, I love the journey. I love the support that, that we've had from, you know, when I first went on the shelves, people in fashion maybe knew a little bit who I was, but nobody else did. So who was I to think I could make a nail polish? So my advice to anybody out there thinking you want to do something, you just got to put one foot in front of the other and know that nothing is ever going to be the same in your life. Every day is going to be different. You know, for a long time, I think we were 24 seven. My husband and I, we were, we actually had, we used to actually have an 800 number ring into our apartment, (laughs) into our um, 600 square foot apartment and in the middle of the night. So we would get press and they would put the 800 number and it would ring at like four in the morning and three in the morning. And, and we would roll over and go, your turn to feed the baby. We don't have kids. So the brand is our baby. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think when you say put one foot in front of the other, but you're going to be walking through quicksand, you're going to be walking through mud, your oh, shoes okay. might come off. I think those are, those are some key things to note when you start. But, but I think for me, the experiences that I get to have are the pay, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but you know, totally agree. Sure you have some incredible stories of just being with strong, incredible women, men, events that you know you go, oh wow, this is worth all that work. Oh, yeah, completely. It's my husband and I will, you know, say, and we, you know, particularly had this discussion at the beginning of COVID because we had a thousand stores close in one day, as I'm sure you did between our stores and salons. It was like a thousand gone. And we just looked at each other and went, wow, this might be, this might be it. And then we sat and had a heart to heart and it was like, well, you know, if this is it, we had this moment of like going, okay, we are such better people for having done it. We've learned so much. We have grown. We have had such incredible life experiences. We've done lots of things wrong and we've done lots of things right. And, and, and I think as it turns out, it's like we've done things that were right for us. Yeah. I think that's what's important is not right. You have to do what's right for you as the person who's going to be connected to it the longest, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The best-selling products in my brand are all of the things that relate to skincare. And um, I mean, obviously, when we when we launch new colors, they they obviously do well. But the, it's been very interesting and surprising to me. Without a, I mean, although I love skincare, when I created the brand, I starting even with the nail polish, I had the idea of like I wanted to put beauty treatment ingredients into the color. I didn't want it to be just pretty. I wanted it to be healthy. I wanted to take out the bad ingredients. I wanted to not only take out the bad ingredients, but infuse the product with good ingredients. And then we went into this, you know, a hand cream and foot cream and scrubs and soaks and elixirs and things that you, you know, use for hands and feet. But those have become our really iconic products along with like the new colors and that whatever is kind of what I call my weird eye for color. Cause I think, you know, when you work in fashion, Rebecca, we have a weird eye, right? It's that I think we're able to discern shades of colors and tonalities to color that you could never, that, that the layman or the general person would never understand or even think about or even care about, frankly. But then when they see it, they're like, oh, it's perfect. And it's because we have that weird eye. That's, ex- that's exactly what it is. So I have wanted to create um, other things for for the body and for for skin and for lip for a long time, but I had this mental. I put myself into this mental um, like bubble where I couldn't expand out of that because I wasn't a makeup artist and I wasn't an esthetician and I'm not a hairdresser. Not that I'm doing hair products yet, but who knows? I'm not a fashion designer. Don't worry, I'm not making clothes. But I had, you know, I I work as a manicurist, therefore I should be making manicure products. And it's so unusual because I can't, it's, it's, it was unusual when I had that realization that I could burst out of that bubble because I'm making color. I've been making color. I am a cosmetic junkie. I love makeup. I do understand color now. I do understand what uh, women want. People from, from the beginning have been loving my treatment products. But I put myself into this silo where I was not allowed to do that because my job descript, my day job description didn't allow me to do that. And I'm now finally allowing myself to be what my customers have been asking me to be for a long time. Uh, it's interesting how my customers have, have taught me how to come out of my own shell. So let's touch on that because I feel like from the outside, I'd be like, well, of course you could do skin and lotions and lip gloss because I, you see a celebrity, right? You have someone like JLo, no offense, who's like, yeah, of course I have skin and perfume and whatever. So <laughs> why did you let yourself believe that? I'm still working on that. I, well, actually, I really think it's because I have so much respect for you know working in that editorial industry working with the best makeup artists in the world, working on fashion ca- or ad campaigns for the best skincare and makeup, I would sort of say to myself, who do you think you are that you can do that? Well, let's go back to 22 years ago. Who did I think I was that I could make a nail polish brand? I didn't think I was anyone. 
I just had an idea. I felt that there was a need. I thought felt like there was a desire. Now I know that I have an eye for making things and understanding what customers want. We can get in our own way. And I really got in my own way for a long, long time. And I think I was just ready when I was ready, hopefully. Was there something that triggered like you to just get out of your own way? I think it was, you know, the support from from the people that work with me that in my company that don't see me the way I see myself, that didn't have me in the box that I had myself in. And, you know, it's a fear thing. It's like a fear to jump out of, of one thing and jump into another. How I ever got the, I really don't know yet, how I got the courage to start a brand and then got myself stuck in the middle of my brand was probably other people talking to me, people outside of my brand. People, you know, there's people that want you to succeed and then there's people that don't want you to succeed. We have positive talkers and then we have the negative talkers. And sadly, the negative talk stays in our head longer. And I would say that a lot of meditation and a lot of, um, thank God I, I was able to partner with Miraval, the spa, the destination resort for mindfulness. And I really got into mindfulness. And I think that that really helped me get out of my own way. I was just in my own way. Yeah, I feel 100% certain that almost every single struggle failure is 99% of it is us getting in our own way or thinking, oh, that's final. I guess I'll just accept it. You know, like we had something happen on Friday that was devastating. And I was just going to let it for a minute, you know, for 24 hours, I was just going to let it fail. And then I was like, it was Saturday night. I was working. I was pissed that I was working on a weekend and away from my kids. It happens. But I was I was feeling particularly sore about it. And then I was like, fuck it, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I changed a situation which could have been devastating for our company. But we have to get out of our own way. We have to stop thinking that that we can't do something. That's so great to, to hear. I mean, I'm sorry that you went through that. But I'm I'm happy to know. I think that's the thing about founders. I think that's the thing about founders is, and entrepreneurs is that, you know, there's a certain point where you just can't, you have to go with your gut. And you have to know that all of our journeys are not the same. And, you know, if I were, you know, if I had sold my company to a bigger company, I can't even imagine the things that I would be letting go or have to let go. And that is one of the beauties of having my family business is that I can, I can come at the 11th hour and go, my gut will not let me do this. And my team will, you know, we'll have, we'll have little, you know, discussions about, oh my God, we're at the deadline. Oh my God, we're at a ship date. Oh my God, we're at, you know, like whatever. But usually my team rallies around and we will make that fix. And you did the right thing, right? Don't you feel better on Monday that you did what you needed to do? Not only do I feel better, but I feel like sometimes things need a woman's touch. And this situation <laughs> was dealing with a lot of bankers who were men. And I was like, you know what? They're going to listen to me. You know, if you can't find... 10 things that make you, you know, the reason for this to, to exist, you know, I found one, they're going to, they're going to appreciate a woman's touch here. And it worked. And you know, your brand and you know, what's going to work. And if that weren't the case, then, then money, people would be making brands left and right. Yep. That would, and they just don't because it requires both heart. This is something that you need to feel and touch and feel from the inside. And I think that, you know, the customer is really, really savvy today. And she knows when you're trying to pull the wool over her eyes. And I won't try to pull the wool over her eyes because I can't in my heart. Yeah. No, no, no. She she smells it like from a mile away. It's like when, when I'm pregnant, my husband says I have a nose of what he's going to eat in the future and telling me smells already. That is <laughs> that is the customer today. <laughs> 
Good thing I'm not making any more babies. So, oh my gosh. So I'm curious, uh, and I'm sure others are too. You mentioned family business and you're so happy you never sold it, but was there ever the desire to, or the, you know, when you see these big beauty acquisitions, L'Oreal spending billions of dollars, did you ever get that? Like, Ooh, I, I want to do that. And if you didn't, why? Oh, if I, I would be absolutely not telling the truth if there weren't mom- moments that I would like, uh, please take this burden from me. Cause there are times that it's uh, when for me, it's, I don't mean to say burden. I love my, I love my baby. There are times that I want to see it fly. There's times that I, you know, that I think, oh my gosh, what could a L'Oreal or, a, or an Estee Lauder or a, something else do with my baby? How could they take this? How could they take what I'm good at? and take it to the next level so it can have, you know, so that more people can experience it and so that we can make it the best that it can be. Absolutely, I've thought about that. And, you know, never say never. I'm going to say that up until now, there hasn't been the right the right fit or a reason. I have nothing else that I want to do more than what I'm doing right now. So it's not like, oh, I want to finish doing this so that I can go sit on an island because that's not my dream. I love what I'm doing, but the hard parts are the hard parts. And sometimes you wake up and you think, oh my gosh, you know, and and you know, like whatever, I don't know what happened to you on Friday, but there are things that happen that are absolutely inexplicable and that you cannot prepare for. When it happens to be a week where every single day something is happening that's like that, you know, there are times that you just are like, I can't take one more thing. And then there are also, so there are times where I feel down like that. And then there are, and then usually, you know, I will do some meditation or I'll do some exercise or I'll, you know, I'll do something to get me out of that and get something fresh into my brain. And then you can come, you know, come back and attack it. It's when I it's when I spend too much time laboring over it that I can't get out of my own way. And then I think of um, many, many, many years ago, I was working with someone at the moment that they were selling that they were selling the brand they were it was before I had a brand. And I was doing her nails for the big moment where she was uh, announcing to the press that she was selling her family business of like 100 years. And she was sobbing. I mean, she was making a gajillion dollars, but her baby, she was losing her child. Like it's, you know, I don't think people realize like how attached we are to these, to, you know, um, to every, every piece that we make. So I think there are good things and bad things uh, probably about, about letting your baby fly. I do, I do have dreams of it flying. And I do know that at the rate that, you know, we do it as a small business, that that won't happen. doesn't mean that it has to happen for my brand. I try and dispel the notion like, you know, so many people think the only opportunity is to sell. And yes, you get a boatload of cash, but you also have bosses. Um, And why not have an incredibly strong, well-known, successful business that you just own? You know, like I think we've we've been disabused that that's a good idea. And I think it's something to sort of reintroduce and be proud of. Like, yes, I own my own company. I control its destiny and you make a good living. It's not like you're suffering. Yeah, I'm not. We are not suffering. We've been, you know, and especially in in this period, Rebecca, with, you know, this nine months uh, that we're going on of COVID, my husband and I were talking about it over the weekend, how grateful we are and how proud we are and how what a difference, you know, we've been able to make a difference. We have kept our whole team. We pay people salaries. I never thought of that growing up. I never thought growing up that I was going to be someone who, I, I was always worried about how am I going to make a living at doing something. I never thought that I would be responsible for someone else taking a paycheck and what that means. I mean, that's a lot. It's beautiful. It's incredible. And it's it's a huge deal because 
you know, I'll, I'll be, I guess, vulnerable and share this. But when we had to go uh, let go of a team member earlier this year, we stayed in touch with almost all of them. And some of them we've hired back as freelancers. But one of them had to wait in line, like his wife got laid off too. And he had to wait in line for food. And he never reached out and asked for help. And I would have given it to him myself. Because we definitely did that for another colleague of ours. And it was, I wanted to vomit at how terrifying and terrible that was that we as a company couldn't hold on to everybody and that he was waiting in line for his family for food. And and so the fact that you've kept your employees is incredible and definitely something to be proud of. Yes, it is incredible. And I'm very proud of it. I'm not going to say that there haven't been other low times in the business where we have had to let people leave us, but I am proud to say that I am still friends with most of them. And with most of them, I've been able to help find positions other places because, you know, we know a lot of people in, you know, the same industries and I'm sure you would do the same, but it is, there is nothing more painful than um, having to let someone go because of finances in your company. But that happens. It just is part of the deal. That's, that's one of the hard parts. That's one of the parts where I'm, where I think L'Oreal. I know, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So we only, I can't believe this has gone by so fast before we end. Do you have any other uh, pinch me moments that you can share because I think people enjoy those like oh my gosh she was where with who and they said this and it inspired this color or or some of those oh my gosh I have so many of these uh did I tell you about Sarah Jessica Parker no you did not okay so Miss SJP when she was shooting Sex in the City uh back in the day um I was doing I was her regular manicurist for doing all of her like advertising and and things like that And she put my nail polish in her bathroom in Sex and the City. And she opened her vanity and there was a Deborah Lippman polish sitting in her vanity. And I just thought, what is happening? And she understood so much more than I did the importance. Like, I didn't even know what product placement was. There was also a really funny one where where my brother actually called me. He saw Sex and the City before I did. I had, like, taped it or something. And he said, did you watch tonight's episode? And I said, no. And he's like, you've got to turn it on. And Miranda had a housekeeper who was nosy and she opened her bedside table. Inside the bedside table was a woman's enjoyment toy. And sitting next to the woman's enjoyment toy, which was the focus of what you're supposed to see, was a Deborah Lippman nail polish. And we knew that nobody else would notice that nail polish but us. <laughs> it was pretty iconic. Oh, it's incredible. I, I remember, you know, the... I don't know, the obsession with getting on that show with every brand I remember was huge. And it just, it just happened for me. Like I didn't even know anything. And also during like right after, right after Sarah loved, my very first sheer pink was called Prelude to a Kiss. And Sarah Jessica absolutely loved it, you know, and I didn't realize the the importance at the time of like, here are these women who can afford to buy anything in the world that they want. And they are choosing to wear my nail product. Like I would bring other products with me and they would choose to wear mine over others. And there was one day that we were, Sarah and I were doing a a shoot and she said, you know, Deb, she'd had a child by then. She was washing her hands a lot more. And she was like, I wish you had a color that was somewhere in between prelude to a kiss and whatever my, another sheer pink was. I wish there was something. And she had this whole vision for it. And I said, I went to the lab and I made a whole bunch of shades And I sent them to her and I'm like, are any of these what you're thinking of? And she was like, oh, kind of this, but with a little bit of that and a little bit of that. And it was just this fun, like girlfriend thing going back and forth. And then we came up with a color and then she goes, you know, do you want to put it out? 
like, do you want to put it in the line? And I'm like, uh, would I like to? And sh- and I said, but you know, all, like all the names of my colors are song titles. And she goes like Sarah Smile. <laughs> That's awesome. I put her name created with Sarah Jessica Parker on my product. No lawyers, no management, no, you know, none of these things that I know now are part of the, like, there's this whole, you know, thing that you have to pay for a brand to do that. Like you have to pay all kinds of money for something like that to happen. And that started a whole string of all of my celebrity clients wanting their own color. I want to be like her because don't we all want to be like our girlfriends and wear what our girlfriends are wearing? So it became a whole series of colors. Renee Zellweger couldn't find a red that she wanted. So could I make this? Cher then at a certain point was like, I can't find a color that has this, this, and this in it. And then it became a whole string of just that came out of people's hearts or, or their desire to have something. I see a color that looks like this. Can you make it for me? And then do you want to put my name on it and put it on the market? I had no idea the value of that. No idea. And it was just like, you know, other than it meant something to me and I cried every time because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made something that you like. So, uh, you know, a lot of what I've gone through has been through my innocence of uh, my innocence of business, I think. So I don't want to end this, but I have to. Um, Sadly, I could talk to you for probably another hour. I'm sure you know this, but I like to ask all my guests two questions, which is what is one thing we'd be surprised to know about you? And any advice you'd love to pass on, whether you learned it or someone gave it to you outside of Martha telling you to buy up all the versions of your name? Well, let's see. See, now this is going to be another name dropper thing, but this is just, this. these are just the people's nails that I do. So Cher picked my bottle with me. Wow. We sat on her bed with all of the bottle cap brush options that I had narrowed it down to. And she being the, you know, incredible person of beauty that she is and you know certainly a huge lover of beauty products sat down and put everything together maybe this was a little prettier but maybe this was a little bit more functional and she still when if I see her today she'll introduce me and say this is my friend Deb Lipman I picture polish ah that's a great story (laughs) that was a great great story and um and what you don't know about me I guess is the fact that I'm a avid singer yeah, I would say that I was shocked when you said that. I mean, I've done my research on you, but I, I just have always assumed that you built an incredible polish and now lip brand, but I love it. Okay, so what is a piece of advice that you'd love to pass on? Piece of advice that I'd love to pass on is that no brand does it the same way. Every Everybody's story is different. Everybody's path is different. So you'll be surprised how many people would be happy to sit down and just like give you, you know, some of their time. We've we've been absolutely flabbergasted at people who have actually angel invested in our company when maybe it didn't look to the rest of the world like they should. You just have no idea where anybody's heart is and how I think that most of us who are doing something are happy to talk to somebody else and give our advice. And then when you hear that advice, take it in. And then at the end of the day, go with what your gut tells you. But ask everybody. Don't think that you're the smartest person in the room or that you need to be the smartest person in the room. That was something I really struggled with. I thought, oh, I can't, I have to know everything about this, but I didn't. And when I was finally able to go, okay, I'm going to get you, let's talk to you because you are smarter than me about this. Let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. So know that there are reasons that there are different roles in your company and you don't have to know everything. You just have to be the decision maker and have the vision. I love it. I think those are incredible pieces of advice because it's true. That's all I can say. It's so true. Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high, 
There's a lamb that I heard of once in a lullaby Somewhere over the rainbow Skies are blue And the dreams that we dare to dream Really do come true That is so beyond beautiful, Deborah. And I think that's a perfect way to end the episode with you singing to us. So thank you. Thank you for your honesty, for your vulnerability, and for sharing such an incredible story. Much love to you for this. I really appreciate it. And I hope that we get to meet and hang out sometime in the near future. That would be awesome. I would love that. Take good care. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birchboxes, as well as our site. 